Hello and welcome to Previously On, a difficulty class podcast where we relax and talk about all the kick-ass games that we're a part of. I'm one of your storytellers, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right. So, uh, well, it's not Saturday, no. is it? <laughs> not quite. No. No, it's not Saturday. Yeah, we, so we... we we wanted to keep doing it where it was just like, hey, we do the show on Friday, we do the show on Saturday, uh, but uh, editing and like time to record and everything kept getting closer and closer, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I I do like doing the sound effects and the music and everything, but I wasn't able to put as much effort into it as I would like to have when I was just like, I have to crank this out Friday morning and then do the rest of my <laughs> Friday stuff. <laughs> And you know what? If time is the factor here that's keeping you from doing that, why not change the time? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, time. What is time? It's 2020. Time doesn't exist. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this show is going to be going up on Wednesdays now. Um, so you know, you'll be we'll record it the week before, and then it will go up the next week. It's going to be a weird recording thing, but whatever. It's going to work out, and I think it's going to be fun. And uh, you guys seem to be enjoying the show, so we enjoy record. Well, we well we enjoy recording it. So the two going like that, it's perfect. Um, I, I just r- rambled there. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, let, let, let's, let's, let's get into a story. So I, I, I teased this last week, uh, but I did a Halloween game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so the la- last time we heard from the Golden Pals, they had released a demon lord, scaled a, you know, a chasm, uh, made a giant tower with a shield and slept and then accidentally released a pit fiend <laughs> and uh, that pit fiend gave them an IOU because he didn't really want to fight and he really just wanted to run away and he was like I'll just okay I'll, gi- I'll give you I'll give you an IOU <laughs> um, and that's where we left and so when oh no, no so they, they were they were in the war machine and they're like oh that's Bell's volcano we're gonna go rescue rescue Oriana Okay. That's where we stopped. And so when I sat down to start writing that game, I was like, okay, it's October 27th. <laughs> and, and and at the beginning of the month, my best friend Kyle, who's in the game, was like, hey, are you going to do an, a Halloween game like you did when we played 4th edition? And I was like, oh, shit. I hadn't thought about that. And back in 4th edition, I did one where they got uh, tricked into going into the Shadowfell. Ooh. And uh, I, I themed it after a, a, a certain game. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that again because that was fun. So I brainstormed a bunch of ideas of how to get them in there, especially since they were in a war machine and they were going towards a volcano, and I figured it out. So they're driving along, and they all get a telepathic message from Oriana. And she says, hey, I can sense that you guys are near but I am not in this plane of existence. Oh. Um, Bell has used a nightmare fiend and has put me uh, captive in a nightmare. I can pull you into it, but I don't know where you'll end up. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> so they they agree. She, she tells them a description of where she is. And so they, they're like, that I, doesn't make any sense. So they're like, all right, let's do it. And so Horse Cook's driving the, the war machine around so that, you know, they can stay out of the sight of Bell. And they get pulled into the nightmare. And now they're standing in a almost pitch black room with marble floor. 
and they see on a wall nearby that there looks to be two maps on the wall. And, uh, oh god, I, sh I should actually get the name of it because I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, so they, they see these maps, and uh, at the top of the map, uh, it says Cedar Grove Sanitarium. <gasps> and they're, uh, everyone's just, ev ev most everyone in the group is just like, what the fuck? We're in a... We're in a, a mental hospital or something? <laughs> and it, it's at this point that Kyle sees that and his eyes go wide. <laughs> <laughs> and I just give him this look like, don't say it. Don't say it. Um, <laughs> so they figure out using the map where Oriana is. And so they're like, all right, let's start going that way. Um, they go down a hallway around a corner and they're going up. And then there's a door up ahead and they hear this coming from behind the door and they're like okay this is creepy what the fuck um i know it's a nightmare but, but damn so they go check the door and you know i i describe it in a certain way but essentially they're in a laundry room and one of the machines is on it something is in one of the machines oh, okay. and it seems to be uh it seems to be a little point of light inside of it that's getting tumbled around so they're like, all right, let's go see what that is. They go in, and this just nasty-ass spider person, like, decaying corpse thing drops down on top of them. Oh. And they have this fight. And then when they kill the things, because they, they, that was a long combat. This thing had, like, 140 hit points. Oh, yeah. And uh, when it dies, it just starts to crumple and then starts, like, burning away into ash and floating up towards the ceiling and then disappearing and they're like oh crap <laughs> and then in the that laundry machine they found a uh, a flashlight like a moonlight flashlight <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> um and a couple of them were like okay i think i think i see what you're doing here <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so speed the story up a little bit. They, they went one way, they were blocked. So they're like, okay, let's go back to the stairs, go up to the second floor, go above it, and then come down the stairs on the other side. So they do that. They go up the stairs and they, they come out into a very similar hallway. And then the door opposite where they come out is open and something moves in the shadows and they shine the, the flashlight on. And it's another one of those like nasty spider corpse man things, mm -hmm. right? And they're like, oh, fuck, not another one of these. And then all of a sudden, something moves behind it, and this massive sh uh, piece of metal slices that thing in half. Oh, no. <laughs> and fucking Pyramid Head from Silent Hill shows up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you set that up beautifully. I love it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was like, how do I make Pyramid Head scary in a and d game mm -hmm. because obviously their their first instinct is fucking fight it because this is you know that's what we do and so i was like so what if i had them fight something that had 140 hp and then one hit it yeah <laughs> they all ran <laughs> <laughs> so they're running uh they're they go around a corner there's 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 another door that they pass and there's somebody pounding on the other side like the door's moving they're like Fuck no, not in this nightmare horror house. Um, <laughs> so they come to they come to a cross section. The door that they need to get through is covered in like skin, muscle, teeth, eyes, and then a massive eye in the center. Ugh. And the iris has the shape of a keyhole. 
<laughs> and when they check the map they have down the hall from them in what was referred to as the uh, oh no, the uh, female nurse uh, ward or something like that, there was a red uh, arrow and it said key. So they're like, okay, let's go get the fucking key. But before that happens, Pyramid Head comes around the corner, hears that banging on the door, takes up its giant knife, and just slams it straight through the door, and the banging stops. And um, Tom had my, the best reaction, because I described that. He just goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, So they, th- this, this was my favorite part, though, because I planned out this scene very silent hilly, and they immediately D&D'd it. <laughs> So they go into the female nurse ward, and there are 16 Silent Hill nurses. And if you don't know what that is, listener, if you don't know what Silent Hill stuff is, look up these names as I'm type as I'm saying them, except for the nasty Spider Man thing. Um, and so, so the the nurses only move when there's light on them, and they move in this twitchy like fucking way and slow and everything mm-hmm. and so cesar thomas is the one that opens the door and he's the one with the flashlight and so they all start jittering and moving towards him to which he screams again <laughs> um except what was really great is he says i scream but it's a thunder wave <laughs> and i'm like that's beautiful and so i rolled for them they all failed they got blown back and then nick goes Wait, are they getting blown back into like one grouping area? I went maybe, and he goes fireball. <laughs> <laughs> so this scene that I was like was supposed to be like all stealth and creepy and everything, they immediately were just like boom. <laughs> it's great, <laughs> and, I, and I loved it. So they blew up all the nurses. They get inside, and they slam the door shut. One of the things I forgot to, to mention is when they got to the top of the stairs, they saw above the doorway written in blood, uh, beware the warden's knife. If he catches in the hallway, he'll take your life. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so they get inside the, the nurse ward and they close the door and they hear Pyramid Head with the, the scraping giant sword walk by and then turn around and walk back. Oh, So no. they're like, okay, he patrols the hall. Got it. Cool. So they, they get the key, they wait for him to go, they go out, they open the door, and uh, and by open the door, I mean take this nasty bone key and stab it into an eyeball that then Ooh. burns away. Um, <laughs> and so they go through the door, they come around a corner, and they see three Orianas, and they all have uh, like dead gray skin with black veins coming up and their eyes are full black and uh, they all say in unison you killed me oh no fight starts <laughs> oh, um, no. so they're going at it they're fighting these Orianas and whatnot. Uh, they, uh, one point Daggery casts a fireball that gets counterspelled very upsetting oh, uh, yes. <laughs> and at this point it's almost 9 o'clock where we stop playing and so it gets to Cesar's turn. He does this thing of like, at the end of your turn, you hear scraping coming down the hall behind you. Uh, uh, which got another scream. Uh, so they, that's that's where we stopped. We picked it up. They kept fighting. Pyramid Head came up behind them. And they were like fighting, moving forward, fighting, moving forward, trying to stay away from Pyramid Head. They eventually defeat the Orianas. And they run down the stairs, and they're good. Uh, they're like, okay, Pyramid Head's not following us. We're cool. 
They get finally to the room where Oriana is, and they open it, and there is this again nasty Silent Hill creature. But I, I used uh, I used Mary, who is spoilers for Silent Hill Two, is oh. the last boss. Right. Um, and so it's this person uh, that is in a glass case. Uh, kind of like flayed out and it's hanging upside down and these metal tentacle things are coming off of it. So again, they were like, this is fucking disgusting and I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they fought it and they won and uh, they they found Oriana. They, she was hooked up to all these IVs and everything. And so Violet using sleight of hand slowly pulled the IVs out without hurting her. And then Oriana woke up and then they all woke up in the war machine with Oriana there with no ankle bracelet locked at home thing. Um, and she's like, let's just fucking go. And so they just <laughs> took off into Avernus. All right. Um, yeah. So that, that I, 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 I felt that like I did good because I was like, okay, I got to do my Halloween horror, like still having Silent Hill shit in my D&D games with zero explanation as to why other than I just want it. Uh, but I also, they also got Oriana. So it, it worked on multiple levels. It moved the story. Yeah. 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 Uh, so in Avernus, they go back to the Crypt of the Hellriders. They tell Elanthius, they release the Demon Lord and it's time to... You know, go fight Zariel, and he's just like, I'm fucking ready! <laughs> but, you know, more somber and emo. Um, and so he gets on his nightmare and takes off. They then go back to the Flying Fortress and pick up Wit. Oh, Olanthius told them where the Bleeding Citadel is. They now know. Okay. Um, so they get in the war machine. They go get Wit. Everyone's all together, and they start driving. They uh, takes them a few days to get there. Uh, they come over a ridge, kind of like Lord of the Rings, Frodo and Sam style, where they're like, oh, shit, there's fucking mortar. Um, <laughs> so, so they come up over it. And this is where I did some changing. I don't personally like this part of the book because it just is like, it gives you this moment of like, hey, you finally figured out where the Bleeding Citadel is. Let's do a dungeon crawl. And I, I just, I didn't. I didn't like the pacing of it. I, I, so I, I decided to change a few things and make it more epic. Make this moment feel more bombastic and, you know, the, where I think it should be. Yeah. So they get on this ridge. They see this, like, swampland of blood. And in the middle of it is this giant scab that forms a hill. And on top of it is the citadel. And there's these giant infernal chains that are attached to the scab and parts of the citadel and stuff. Um, but they also see that there is a shitload of demons all around it. Can I just say, uh, uh, you just saying those words. <laughs> I got such a vivid image of it. <laughs> and it's honestly inspiring. <laughs> um so they they see these demons around. Oh, I oh by the way, remember how at one point I was like, oh, I screwed up the the Vernus story that Zario was supposed to know know about the sword the whole time. Yeah, I actually retconned that. Hey. Um, I had Oriana explain to them like, hey, no, she actually does know where it is. She just doesn't want it because she's worried she'll you know be good again or something. Revert. <laughs> yeah. So they see this, and then there's this thing in the book, and I'm I probably butchering how you say this, but it's called the Krokotoic, I think is how you say it. Mm. It's a massive fucking demon maw that 
just opens up and vomits demons. Oh. Just an infinite supply of demons. <laughs> and it's supposed to be locked under the citadel and is only released if you're like, hey, you know, if they happen to dig that way, they wake it up. And I'm like, that's not cool. I fucking want this thing there. So they see this giant army of demons. The Krokotoic shows up, vomits de- more demons. And they're like, we have to get through that. <laughs> uh, so so they had this moment of like, shit, what do we do? And then because, again, I want it to be cool and epic and have all these moments come back around, they hear vroom, behind them. And three war machines roll up. And it's Mad Maggie, Ragadraga, Herc, and a bunch of red caps. Oh my god. <laughs> and basically what I had, because they had Horsecook and Branibus with them. Branibus used to be with Mad Maggie. I was like, if he heard all like you yeah, that they're going to the bleeding citadel and that, you know, they're 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 going to go do it, Mad Maggie would want to know. So he let her know. And that's why they all came together and and joined up. So then they're like, okay, we need to make a plan. We need to figure out how we're getting into the Citadel while everyone else distracts these demons. And they talked for quite a bit. And I'll give them points because they actually sat through and talked out a plan. Wow. And then Kyle, Kyle goes, wait, I have a pit fiend that owes me one. (gasps) And so he takes the the scrap of the shield that he has, flicks it, Pit Fiend shows up. And at first he's like, kill that fucking Krokotoke thing. And the Pit Fiend's like, (laughs) no, no, (laughs) what? No. Um, And so someone's just like, hey, what about if we have him break away into the Citadel for us? Like, we get up there and he breaks us in. So that becomes the plan. So they all, Fast and the Furious style, get in their fucking war machines and take off towards this army. The next, the next one, they're going to space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so three of the war machines distract the demons. The other one pulls off. They cast fly. They got winged boots. They got a nightmare. They got all this stuff. And they fucking take off into the sky with a pit fiend and scale this giant scab and land on top of the citadel. And then the pit fiend takes its maze and breaks this giant stained glass window that had magic in front. I was going to make this hard to get into. And then he was like, I'm going to use my IOU pit fiend right now. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Let's just fucking go. (laughs) So they break in. They get in there. And stabbed into a stone on a giant pedestal is the sword of Zariel. And that's where we stopped. Whew. That's good, man. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm very excited. I can't, I can't wait for the next game. I can't yes. wait to see what they do. <laughs> we're, we're getting towards the end here. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds, I mean, like the story itself, it just sounds like such a brilliant go for it. I love it. <laughs> well, they're, they're making it brilliant. I'm just putting down <laughs> some sand castles and stuff for them to play with. <laughs> but uh, how, how are your games going? Uh well I did I did two different games this past week. Um we were intending to do the Neverwinter game again on Sunday. However, a player couldn't make it, and so we did something else. But uh, I'll get to okay. there in a second. Mm-hmm. Um first off, on Wednesday, they just took down Verum the White. 
the blue tiefling that was the uh, essentially the last hand of the five <laughs> like purple cult of the dragon people. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one that ran from the well of dragons essentially in this canon. Mm. And they took her down, and Saphir grabs the mask and realizes, "Oh, hang on, no, I wanna, I wanna put this mask on. I want to." And then <laughs> Roland uses flash of genius. No, you don't. You save. <laughs> and so then they, <laughs> uh, like, bro- like broom, use a broom to get it into a bag of holding without touching it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, that thing's cursed. Let's not touch it again." <laughs> And they're like, okay, well, what now? And Twyla's out of teleport spell slots. Roland, the only way for them to leave is either walk back down the mountain or Roland teleports home and they actually can sleep in a in their own bed for a night and then teleport back to Vandalin. So they're like, you know what? Let's, let's go home. And so they kind of gather together and Roland uses cloak to teleport back to the basement underneath uh, Protector's Enclave. And they see Lucian there. Lucian is uh, their friendly alchemist that they kind of like rescue homed into their little uh, like home area. And he's like, oh, you guys made it. And, and they're like, yeah, no, it's uh, we actually it's a long story. But we 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 handled the dragon because that was like everyone's first question. Because when they left, they told everyone, oh, yeah, we're going to go take down this this dragon threat. And uh, they're like, oh, how did the dragon go? Did, it, did you take it down? And they're like, we handled it. Because <laughs> it's not dead. They just did a, a deal, so it would leave. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, you know, handled is better than nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, they went upstairs. There's this lovely moment of, like, just a family reunion between them, uh, Bobby, the caretaker of the house, who just sees them all as their kids, her kids, essentially, at this point, and uh, Saphir's family, his wife that he just recently brought back from the dead, and his kid, uh, Sarah. And Sarah, this whole Mm. time, she's been getting into drawing recently, and and she was very excited, as an 11-year-old would be, to show them her work. And it's their <laughs> story so far done in very much 11-year-old's artwork. And I love it. The whole party got like, they're like, this is this is really nice. And I'm like, it's a reminder that what you're doing isn't just your story. It's it's a heroic act that you guys are having an impact on the Sword Coast itself. And they're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so all my players had that moment of, man, I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, they had a couple plans while they were there, but Bobby at first was like, oh, you guys also got a letter. Uh, I was expressly told not to open it, but it was for the lot of you. And so they read the letter. Um, There were a few key words in there that made them realize that they should probably go into this. Uh, In summary, the letter was like, hey... I have some information on the Stone of Galore. I would like for you guys to come meet with me at the Moonstone Mask. Uh, Don't tell anyone about this because that would just kind of be a moot point about the whole information thing. I trust that you'll be interested. Lo and behold, they're all interested. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because previously, uh, Twyla had gotten a letter from her parents asking for her to investigate Never Ember's court for the Stone of Galore, because it was her parents' theory that Never Ember knows where it is the whole time. They already went down that hole, and Never Ember doesn't know. So they're like, okay, this is our next best lead. 
while we're here. It's it's still the same day. They literally just got back. It's only been an hour since they took down Verum. And they're like, oh my yeah, God. yeah, let's go. Let's go meet up with this dude. <laughs> um, so before they do that, they're like, OK, before before we do, let's we should probably get rid of this crazy artifact that we have on our hands. Uh, and the dragon himself, uh, Marothrax, told them the Lord's Alliance handled the dragon masks during the well of dragons so Mm -hmm. you could probably give it to them they'll figure out a way to destroy it and so like okay well edwin the neverwinter lord's alliance representative essentially because it can't be neverember because (laughs) neverember is reputation um (laughs) so edwin they talked to him on on a on another podcast i hear he might be half trian um so they, they talked to Edwin. Edwin is, uh, he's very ecstatic that they took down Verum. Verum essentially is like the Sword Coast equivalent to like FBI's top wanted mm-hmm. for the for the Lord's Alliance. <laughs> and so he's like very happy that they managed to take this person down. And on top of that, they recovered the mask as well. And they're like, well, do you want the mask? He's like, hell no. You better go to Waterdeep and give that to Lariel Silverhand. Oh, and they're like, why is that? Her. And he's like, because she's the one that handled the that handled the masks afterwards. She's the only one that had the balls to touch them. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to go on record to say that L'Oreal Silverhand has the biggest balls in Faerun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, okay. He's like, straight up, usually, especially now, they don't really accept, like, you know, random people coming in. But if you show up and you say, hey, we have mask, we took down Verum, she's going to let you fucking into her quarters, man. And so <laughs> they're like, okay, so we got to go to Waterdeep to get this mask up. He's like, yeah, just once again, thank you. Not just for the realm, but for me as well. This has been a pain in my personal side. And we're like, great. Okay, well, we feel awesome now. Um, so let's go to the Moonstone mask. Uh and the Moonstone Mask is like this bougie uh, whole setup. It's like essentially the best, the 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 five star Michelin like restaurant in Neverwinter. It's on a floating earth moat above the city, and you need to have invitation to get up there. Thankfully, Bertram, the party's paladin, had saved the owner of the establishment from becoming a zombie, and so he has permanent allowance into the restaurant. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so, uh, thanks to Bertram, they were able to get up there. It's a lovely establishment. There's three stores to it. You enter the second store. Below is the concert. Uh, there's a lone man with a harp that's playing a lovely tune. Um, this area is like the cocktail standing tables and like just meeting areas. And then the third floor is where there's like private tables. Mm-hmm. Um Pretty much as soon as they walk in, someone approaches them, asks if they want drinks or anything like that. And they say, sure. And uh, we're also looking for this man because uh, they got a name from the mm-hmm. letter. And she's like, oh, yeah, he's upstairs. He said that he would be expecting company. Um, would you want me to show you up there? And they said, sure. So that's when I was able to pull out Waterdeep Dragon Heist <laughs> and read the, mm-hmm. the text block from there, which is always a fun thing to do in your homebrew campaign. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I mm-hmm. like that. And I got to introduce my players to uh, Captain uh, Zord, essentially. Zardoz Zord. Okay. Um, he is a quite flamboyant man. He is wearing this uh, 
large red coat uh, with coattails and everything. And he's got a large black hat with golden trim with a large red feather, which looks like it might have been plucked from a cockatrice or something like that. And he's got chest hair for days. It's just literally (laughs) bounding out of his coat. And he's got the classic like goatee with uh, the the tiny mustache that just points out at both sides. And so you made an even fancier Gaston. Yeah. Uh, and this man he looks pretty fit uh and he's just like oh welcome come in come in and he's very like charismatic he's telling them to sit down enjoy themselves and then they get to business they're like listen man you invited us here because you want to talk about the stone of galore he's like yes i know where it is and they're like oh (laughs) he's like yeah so here's the deal i want your help to get this money the money that never ember absconded with that he uh you know stole from Waterdeep. i'm not asking for a lot i'm asking for five thousand gold That's the rest of it you can do with it what you want uh because keep in mind there is five hundred thousand gold that never ember yeah. left with and he's like and they're like, that's not a bad plan. And Twyla's like, yeah, especially since my plan was to give half to Waterdeep and half to Neverwinter and claim that was all that's left. <laughs> Zard- Zardoz gets a kick out of that plan. He's like, I love it because that'll solve both problems for me anyways. And you get to claim that you found it. So I get left out of the picture entirely. And they're like, yeah, this sounds great. He's like, there's one more thing. Um, along with this treasure, there's going to be a staff. And I need to have that staff. Mm. And at this point, two of my players, uh, one of whom who was running Waterdeep Dragon Heist and one of whom like saw all of uh, Chris Perkins run it, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, no, we can't give this man that staff. But in character, they're like, what does the staff do? <laughs> and he is telling them, I can't let you know that because... You will change your mind and you will decide to take the staff instead of letting me have it. And they're like, well, does it hurt people? And he's like, no, it's more like protection. And they're thinking about it and they're like, okay. Uh, And then Roland's like, wait, wait, wait. You have to agree to let me identify it. He's like, when it's in my hands and only while it's in my hands, you can identify it. And they agreed. And Man, he, I, I'll, your, your group's a lot more trust than me. I'd be like, that is some just hot street trash of an agreement there. <laughs> like, there was no. a lot of back and forth uh, that I'm kind of skimming over. And oh, okay, okay, yeah, there, <laughs> there was a lot. Um, I'm just imagining Char in that situation. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how about I take the staff and shove it up your ass, and then we'll <laughs> identify it. <laughs> yeah, because like they were trying to also figure out like if they could even trust this man and. At that point, Bertram realized that uh, they've had at least a minimum of three times in the Moonstone Mask alone where people would disguise themselves and not be who they said they were. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I, I'm, I'm going to be paranoid for a minute and I'm going to ask Lonan to use True Sight. <laughs> and so then I had the absolute pleasure of describing the most wonderful and dangerous looking drow there is. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm like 
Yeah, he would give Saphir a run for his money with how many daggers he's got on him at this point in time. And that rapier that he looks like that he's holding is a lot fancier looking than the one that he looks on right now. And I'm like, you have a feeling and a sense that this man is uh, playing down what he could possibly do to help you guys get the money back. And they're like, oh boy. Bertram quietly uh, subtle spells message over to Twyla saying, hey, he's using a hat of disguise. This is not a man. It's a drow. <laughs> Twyla doesn't respond, but she takes in that information and she's like, okay. And uh, they eventually come to terms and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll meet back up in about a week. And uh, Captain, you know, quote, Zardoz agrees. And he's like, okay, uh, I've, I've got time. I've got business here anyways. I was, I was kind of asked to come here. So this is just kind of a side quest. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, okay. Um, so then we'll meet back here. Uh, and then we'll talk about what to do next. And they agree on it. And then uh, the boys leave. But Twilight's like, I'm going to stay. One, because I haven't had a good night out on the town in like literally a year and a half. Two, there's actually good food here in front of me. I'm not going to leave it out for just one person to eat. Three, I want to talk to this guy more. <laughs> <laughs> and so they have a chance to just Twyla and this uh, Zardoz uh, to, to just chat between themselves. And it was fun because... I got to sit in front of Spencer, who wasn't part of this conversations, but Spencer is such a huge fan of um, Jarlaxle, and he's such a huge fan of all that canon, and he's just like smiling at me, and that's how I knew I was doing good during that whole conversation. <laughs> and Twyla was just like doing the social just parrying of like, oh yeah, no, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm pretty good with illusion magic, and. Zardas is like, oh, I don't really play with that. <laughs> and there's, she, they eventually talk and, and she learns like, well, what are you in this for? And he tells her that he actually has, his carnival was not his initial intention. He created the carnival to help uh, pay for the pet people that he protects. He has this group of people that he took in under his own wing, essentially. And they're exiles. They don't have anywhere to call home and he wants to make sure that they can be provided for and it's not cheap to do that for that many people so <laughs> and twilight kind of is like okay that's actually kind of nice and she gets the sense that all of his intentions aren't necessarily like two-sided nefarious and uh through some insight checks and such like that she kind of gets the idea that this man's kind of genuine at least in that regard mm-hmm um, in the end, she definitely tips off that it's like, oh, yeah, I used to have this head of disguise, but, you know, I uh, gave it up for other things. And, and with telling him without telling him that I can see that you're not who you say you are. Mm -hmm. And him booing who he is, he's like, I'm not going to confirm or deny that you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and they go their separate ways. I love it. And uh, that's, that's pretty much where we ended that night was uh, the them talking to that man. <laughs> The thing that I love about that is that they figured out that they were talking to Jarlaxle. My players still have no idea that they have met Jarlaxle. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. And like, what's great about that whole interaction is that I as a DM was able to sprinkle in 
some foreshadowing for the next like few sessions beyond mm-hmm. just they're going to meet up with him again because yeah. he mentioned a few things uh in specific like he hates people he hates enchanters essentially people who do <laughs> enchantment magic uh he's got a per- personal history with them he has business that he was called for here in neverwinter and so he didn't say like oh yeah as captain zord he he said i just have business here and so that's going to be fun to kind of address and they're going to be like oh when it comes to it i love it so we were supposed to continue this session on sunday um but like i said one of my players couldn't make it but we did plan for sunday to be like old school we're gonna play for 10 hours kind of day oh my god I don't have the strength anymore. <laughs> I know. Like, we we don't either. That's why we were like, let's do it. It's just, it's been such a long time. Let's just do one night where it's like that. And so uh, one of the players couldn't quite make it. And we're like, okay, that's fine. And so we were talking. We're like trying to figure out what we wanted to do. Um, we're like, well, we could continue Rise of the Frostmaiden. But um, oh. the a couple of the players were like, eh, I wasn't really in that invested in that character. I'm like, okay, that's fair. Um, I could make up something. It's kind of like, you know, just a little bit before, uh, after Halloween, we could do something scary. And so then I started looking up uh, Cthulhu stuff. And uh, I was As like immediately thinking of ways to implement a Cthulhu game into D&D 5e. And I'm like, yes, I could do this. And then all of a sudden Spencer's like, well, Allie, you got that really fancy new Curse of Strahd box behind you. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm petting mine right now. Big smile across my face. And I realize, yes. Yes, I do. And I'm like, guys, do you do you uh do you mind if we play Curse of Strahd? <laughs> and uh they all were for it. And the cool thing is is that I remembered a while ago that I saw um this tweet from Sly Flourish who was talking about like finishing up Curse of Strahd in one session. Like mm-hmm. doing the entire campaign in one go. And so I regoogled that tweet found the link to i think it was james introsasco's original idea of it and how to go about it mm-hmm. and while they were making their characters i set everything up i got all the I, I learned about what i needed to do and i honestly would not have been able to pull this off uh if it weren't for tabletop sim oh really yeah so uh someone let me see if i could find the the artist here real quick because someone actually went and made the entire curse of strahd castle on tabletop sim i oh 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 like with 3d maps with 3d maps and everything holy shit yeah i I remember someone made battle mats for it on reddit a while ago where it was like this is every freaking room non-isometric and, yeah, but that's freaking amazing. Yeah, so every single room, 3D, and it was just laid out for it, super easy. It, oh, here it is. I'm it's, totally uh, not about to download Tabletop Sim uh, again so that I could check this out. I'm gonna pronounce this wrong, but Jairin, uh It's without that person to make the entire map, I would not have been able to do this because, like the the blog post about running it in one night said, it's easier if you do it theater of the mind, and I'm like. <laughs> Not with us. <laughs> so I was worried about like having to sit there and create these maps or just take pictures of the isometric and just explain theater of the mind that way. But in this way, I was able to literally plug in their characters in to the 3D setting and they were able yeah. to just sit there and watch. And That's so cool. It was such a great game because we started out 
with uh, them. They've been in Ravenloft for like the past, uh, not Ravenloft, but like Barovia for the past like three months. They've been helping out Irina. They've been doing, uh, helping out in general, doing as much as they can. And we've gotten to the point where they got the letter to come for dinner at Ravenloft. And so they go to the invite. Irina's with them and Strahd sits them down. And after uh, what's genuinely kind of a nice meal, uh, Strahd's like, okay, so here's the stitch. Uh, Irina, you can come with me and you can save your friends or you could all die and you still come with me. (laughs) And they're like, what if we don't want to? And he's like, well, like I said, you would all die. And and this is a lot more dramatic than I'm saying it right now. But yeah, yeah. essentially, Irina is like, not, I'm not, I'm going to go with you, but I'm not going to marry you tonight. I need one night. And, the, and Strahd's like, what's one night? I have infinite. <laughs> and so <laughs> he accepts. And besides, he's thinking to himself, like, ah, this gives me a chance to play with these little fuckers anyways. (laughs) And so he takes her hand and he leads her out of the dining room. And this wind blows through the entire castle, slams the door shut, and the lights go out in this brightly lit area. And they use dancing lights and they see now in front of them, it's like the classic... uh, ghost ship situation where it's like oh all that wonderful food you were just eating is actually swarming with maggots it's all rotten there's no wine and uh irena's gone (laughs) and they're like (laughs) shit (laughs) and so uh on the way to the castle um they were actually offered a ride by a vistani woman uh, madam eva she's like i'll give you a ride there if you in return allow me to tell your fortune and so she was able to tell them their fortune and she told them four things in particular. She, uh, well, five things. She told them that they can find the sword. They could find a tome of history. They could find, um, and the symbol. And they could also find an ally in there. And on top of that, she also told them where they can find Strahd. And it's all within the castle. So essentially the way the blog set it up was that you just take out all the cards that don't involve the castle and you do the reading as normal. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, By and the way, I've, I've now pulled up this freaking map set in Tabletops, and this is incredible. Yeah, it's it's beyond good. <laughs> like. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I, I took the time, and I went in, and I uh, typed up every single room number, which, I'll be honest, helped me actually understand how the castle was laid out better than if I just tried to read it. I I actually might use this uh, for playing it again. This is mm-hmm. genuinely amazing. Right? Um, and so the neat thing is that uh, they, they're like, okay, so in order to take down Strahd, pretty much they were told that they, they wouldn't be able to do it if they at least didn't get the book. And so they're like, okay, we just need to find this knowledge. We need to find, like, it'd be great if we could get the sword. That'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so they were going through and they're like, well, where is his his coffin? Because essentially the sun sword was supposed to be in Strahd's uh, coffin. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be where his coffin was, and they're like, "Well, usually if I was a vampire, it would be down, right? It would be, it would be in the basement." And so they kind of agreed. And I'm over here sitting and, and panicking because I'm like, "If you go down, you will die. This is going to be scary." 
Um, but like conveniently, um, the amulet and the sword were pretty much two rooms away from each other. They were the amulet was in Sergei's coffin, and then the sword was in Strahd's coffin. But then, I'll tell you this: Strahd was going to be at his mother's coffin. Oh shit! Yeah. So oh, Trevor shit. understands how close all three of those are. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, Esmeralda, who is the ally that they managed to pull, yeah, was actually on the balcony that's outside the castle. That's essentially, just to give you an idea, a hundred feet above Strahd's parents' coffins. And so... <laughs> They managed to do a couple run-ins with things and they're like, okay, well, we, I don't really feel comfortable going down right now even further because they found the secret area going beneath because they, uh, pretty much the second encounter was Strahd's right-hand man, his butler man, his, uh, his, his captain, right? Who is fucking difficult, by the way. This man is hard to take down and I did not flub any of his numbers and it was just like, oh, he's going to murder these guys. <laughs> um but they they managed just barely to take him down because uh this is i think where i have to mention all three of them were warlocks oh my freaking god are you kidding me (laughs) were any of them packed with a blade or or, or hex blades um yeah uh taylor's character was okay that's that's good at least got a little bit of the hitty hitty (laughs) so we've got Taylor, who was uh, doing Pack to the Blade, like Hex Blade, she was Pack to the Blade there. You've got Spencer, who was doing Pack to the Tome, because he's a wizard, but warlock. And then you've mm. got Marcos, who was Pack to the Chain, so he had a familiar pseudo dragon with him. And they all kind of, their their backstory they decided together uh, was that they were all actually patron, like their patron was Felgolos. The, <laughs> the, the dragon of misfortune, right? And so, essentially, Felgloss is like, oh, I really need you guys to do me a favor and bring this message to Mordekainen. Um, Last I heard, he was in the Feywild. It should be no problem. This scroll will take you to where he is. And then they ended up in Barovia. Yep. (laughs) And then they couldn't leave Barovia. And so that's how they ended up there. So they're all kind of like dragon, lightning-themed kind of spells. And uh, hilariously, through that first fight with that first encounter... Marco's fucking used meld into stone <laughs> in the middle of a fight. He's like, I have two HP left. I'm going to meld into stone into the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I've never seen that happen, but okay. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to summon my familiar to me so I can get full healed the next turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is fucking wild. Just all three warlocks like, well, that's my spell. <laughs> like, oh my God, guys. And so, eventually, after dealing with the the right-hand man and having to go back up because they're like, we found a secret staircase. We can't trust that we can make it through there right now alone. Let's go find that ally. So they go up to the balcony. They find Esmeralda. She's invisible at the time. And she's like, are you guys, like, who are you? (laughs) Sword to the neck of... uh, Marcus's character and, and he's like uh, we're good we're, we're trying to fight Strahd she's like okay <laughs> prove it what do you know about killing vampires and they're like shit all apparently <laughs> 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 because 
Spencer's character. <laughs> Sorry, that would really got me. Yeah, Spencer's character rolled history on uh, like, oh, like what what are vampires like? How do I handle a vampire? And I'm like, well, you know, just based off just osmosis of mythology and things that like you know stake through the heart usually works. Um, sometimes beheading, and they're like, okay, we're gonna do that to this elf dude here, who who oh, is his right hand man. Damn it. And so. They they went through the very disgusting nature of trying to stake a dead body, and they eventually decided to just cut the head off, and uh, Taylor's character tied his hair around like her knapsack, so he's they're just kind of carrying a head <laughs> through the yeah. castle now. And they're like, oh yeah, we already took down a vampire, and Esmeralda's like, you did? And like, yeah, it was this guy. And she literally just goes, lifts the lip up, they're not vampire teeth and she closes it she's like he's not the vampire <laughs> and they're like oh and then there was this moment where all three players were like we didn't even think to look for fangs <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your previous question we're not great yeah <laughs> and so Esmeralda is like okay well that's no I'm thankfully an expert vampire hunter <laughs> self-proclaimed and so I can uh, I can help guide us here so something that we need to do is this this and this and they're like okay and so, uh, with Esmeralda's help, they find the uh, Strahd's journal, and they learn a nice. little bit about, they get the lore, they get the idea of why he's doing this, and all that good stuff, and why he wanted Irina, and um, they're like, okay, cool, uh, so stake through the heart, won't kill him, it'll just paralyze him, that's good to know, um, and that surprises Esmeralda as well, she's like, well, he isn't, you know, your normal vampire, so that makes sense. Um, and they're like, okay, well, where do we gotta go next? Well, it says that the sword is in a tomb? Is in his tomb. Along with the other one. And, um, Esmeralda's like, well, there's a window down below that leads to the basement level. Um, if someone could go check it out, or if you have a climbing kit, we could go see what's down there. But it's too obscured for us to see, uh, at this time. And so... Marco sends his pseudo dragon to go down there and just kind of give it the, a wipe over so that way you can see inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a tomb. There's a couple coffins in there, in fact. And so he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can we can actually, pseudo dragon comes back up and portrays, portrays this through emotions. And Marco's like, yeah, we could totally go in there. That's probably where it is. That'll be like a shortcut in, guys. And so they're like, okay, yeah. And I'm over here as the DM thinking, oh no. Because that, that, that is a tomb. It's just the tomb. parents of Strahd's tomb. Yep. The one where he's in. Mm-hmm. And so they action movie, climbing kit gear, crashing through the windows. <laughs> and they roll onto the floor and they look around. They're like, all right, where we got to go? And then they freeze in their tracks when they see a hunched over figure over the leftmost coffin as he stands and he just says so you wished for death early (laughs) (laughs) and then they fight (laughs) they fight and at this point they don't have shit they just got the idea of how to handle him and why he's there they don't have the they don't have the sword they don't have the emblem and I'm like here stressing because I'm like there's those items are so close (laughs) Mm -hmm. but so far and in the middle of the fight, Strahd charms Esmeralda, and she starts fighting the characters. And they're like, we can't handle both of these fuckers. And so Spen- like Marcos's character counter charms. He does a 
like an even higher level kind of charm and tells Esmeralda, hey, vampire, that way. And so she <laughs> turns back and goes against him again. <laughs> and it's just this crazy fight and they're going back. And because uh, Spencer's character has holy water on him and because, only because uh, Marcos used that charm back on Esmeralda, Esmeralda had the wherewithal to remember vampire, holy water, he will regenerate can't and so she tosses a holy water on her turn the one turn that she had back and it didn't allow him to regen health that entire fight because she did that and everyone was literally like three to like eight health left when taylor's character got the final hit on strahd and he oh my god just falls to the ground and his cloak kind of settles fully onto the ground and they realize that he's not there anymore and Esmeralda (laughs) says we have to hurry and he will reform soon and they're just kind of look at each other and panic and that's where we ended it for the night because I'm like you guys technically did it (laughs) I love it I love it Mm -hmm. no that's uh, if you're doing if you're doing Strahd one night that's exactly how it should end like it should end with like hey we did it oh shit did we do it I love that. I fucking love that. Mm, it was funny. Marcus was like, oh, we got the neutral ending. <laughs> we didn't get you, the good or bad ending. We got the neutral one. <laughs> I, I know at the beginning of this, I was just like, oh, I don't have the strength. But damn, the more you talk about this, more I'm like, fuck, running Castle Ravenloft in one night would be so much freaking fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it was something and a half, man. Like, literally having that map in, in Tabletop Sim saved it. It allowed if- me to do it. Uh, uh, listeners, if, if you have Tabletop Sim, please go check that out. That thing was amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to use that. Uh, almost downloaded the board game instead of <laughs> the actual thing, but I got the right one. Um, I think that's where we're going to have to stop it for this episode. We'll we'll pick up with, with, a, with a double Pathfinder episode next time. Yeah. Because uh, uh, we, 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 we both did two games, so we, we ran a little long. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, uh, uh, next week is Crab Fest. That's fun. <laughs> oh God, Crab Fest. Oh jeez. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, well, uh, listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support it is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice and letting us know what you think of the show. Uh, doing a written review would be great, or you can tweet at us at Difficulty Class or email us difficultyclass at gmail.com and let us know what you're thinking of the show, uh, ways that we could improve it, things you'd like to see, maybe your own stories that we could read on here. Uh, we th- this is this was literally a show that Allie and I went, hey, wouldn't that be cool? And so we're doing it, and it's it's kind of an ever-evolving thing mm-hmm. um so yeah uh let talk with us let us know what you think uh because we, we'd love to hear it um and uh i think i ran through everything that i needed to so uh have a good game just wanted to say really quick that the sound effects and music that you heard in this episode were from sirenscape you can check them out at www.sirenscape.com and find some really awesome sound effects for your game like this